Hi, I'm Dr. Pam Peek, and welcome to episode 434 of Her, the podcast where you're going to hear the truth, that's correctamundo, about her mind, her body, her life, and today you get a twofer, her menopause and her bone health, because guess what? They're both intertwined. And oh boy, do we have a fabulous, wonderful guest today to be able to kind of touch on both of those from a very interesting, nuanced level. Before we begin, just know that this episode is made possible by Solaray Vitamins, S-O-L-A-R-A-Y Vitamins. Now, if you run over to solaray.com, you're going to be able to find multivites for women over 50, especially, but multivites anyway for all women. It's intergenerational after all for the Her Podcast demographic, all you little listeners out there. Learn also about how you can use supplements to help you if you've got those menopause-related sleep issues and hot flashes and all the rest of it, because nutrition really figures in here in a big way. And you know how it is. We swear that we're getting all of our little colorful vegetables and fruits every day. And you know how by the end of the day it looks, oh my, not great. So we want to be able to have our own back here. Multivitamins with Solaray. Run on over to solaray.com. All right, now here's your first reminder to hit iTunes after this episode to rate and review the show because we love your feedback. All right, it's time for her. The podcast. The naked truth about women. Her mind. Her body. Her life. It's all about her. So, you know out there in the Her Podcast land that I'm all about health and wellness for women. And, you know, we pass through a variety of journeys in our life, really characterized by what happens with our hormones, especially. So, what happens after the age of 40? Perimenopause. So you start that very slow weaning off the big guy, estrogen and progesterone, and testosterone is altered somewhat as well. And then you enter menopause. And then once you hit menopause, which means no more menstrual cycles, 12 months of that, no more menstrual cycles. And that makes it official. And then you have postmenopause. So during that time, we've got all kinds of issues going on. And, you know, are there organizations out there that are really talking to this? Now, this also includes bone health, which I'm nuts about because osteoporosis runs in my family. So I take it extremely personally, as I probably mentioned before in other, you know, episodes. So to be able to address all of this, from a very wonderful level, from a corporate level, as it were, in the C-suite of two fantastic foundations, is my wonderful friend, Claire Gill. Now, Claire founded and launched the National Menopause Foundation in September of 2019. Why? Well, to bring about a positive change in how women perceive and experience health at midlife. And then on top of that one, like that wasn't enough, in May of 2020, oh, that that had to be interesting because that was a full-on lockdown at that time, she assumed the role 
of CEO of the Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation. And this was formerly the National Osteoporosis Foundation. And she joined this in January of 2013, the original foundation. So prior to joining Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation, she spent a slew of years in public relations and marketing for national nonprofit organizations. And, you know, here's the thing. This is the kind of background you need to be able to get the word out on both of these issues, which involve so many unmet needs for women. Claire, welcome to the Her Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for that very kind introduction. I'm delighted to be here to talk about two issues that are very, very important to me as well. All right. Now, why are they so important to you? So I too have a family history of osteoporosis. My mom had osteoporosis, broke her hip at 81. And fortunately, she beat the statistics and was able to return home and lived many, many years after that. But the statistics on hip fractures are really frightening if you've had anyone in your family who experienced one. So yeah, and that actually happened before I joined the Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation. Well, now you said the statistics were frightening. What do you mean by that? So 25% of people who have a hip fracture die within the year following. Now, why has that happened? It's a downward spiral, really. We find that most people who have a hip fracture either end up in assisted living or a nursing home. That's 50% do that. 25% die. And the other have to use an ambulatory device the rest of their lives, a cane or a walker or something to support them, which is where my mom ended up in those statistics. But when we first heard that statistic, my siblings and I, we were shocked and we couldn't believe that 25% of people die within a year after a hip fracture. That is really unbelievable. And another reason why it's so important we talk about bone health. Now, why do they die? So I think most of the reason tends to be from things that happen after the fracture. They tend to get pneumonia. They will have other sort of conditions that worsen after the hip fracture where they're not able to, you know, move around the way they were used to moving around. And so unfortunately, it's rarely listed as osteoporosis on the death certificate. It's always from the pneumonia or from something else that kind of cause that downward spiral. But the correlation between hip fracture and death in 25% of that population, the hip fracture is the seminal event. So what you're really talking about is a domino effect. And what really started the entire experience was the fracture. And the other thing that's kind of interesting, if we just sort of throw this out there, is you say, well, I mean, we have all these medications out there, and why do we have a problem here? And here's the gig. You know this, I know this. 6% of the people, because it's also men too, who have osteoporosis, 6% only are taking meds because there was a bad rep bad rap and rep of the medications themselves for causing a really kind of an ugly side effect, which was necrosis of the jawbone. And once people saw pictures of that and what happened and back and forth, they kind of ran for the hills and said, hell to the no. And what they then did was, if they were smart, was pivoted to 
Well, you know, good nutrition, make sure you get your calcium and the rest of it, and real specific exercise as it relates to strengthening bones by a very nuanced way of giving the body more of an explosive experience. So for instance, jumping up and down on a rebounder, okay, jogging, running, if weightlifting is fabulous, and that's really important. Anything that involves a pounding, a ground pounding, so that could be jumping rope. It could even be walking in place with a good pound to it, which a lot of people do because, you know, by a certain age, you're kind of like, nah, I'm not picking up running now. And it's not necessary to do that because that's fraught with its own injuries. But this is a huge, huge issue. And tell us what the National Osteoporosis you know, what the Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation actually does. So we're the leading patient advocacy organization in the U.S. about bone health. We also, we're sort of a hybrid, we also provide clinical education and training. So when your clinician needs to get continuing medical education to keep their license, they can learn specific courses about bone and osteoporosis through our organization. And we also launched the Bone Health Policy Institute, where we do activities around legislating about the need for better post-fracture care and the better care for patients, uh, seniors, as we age and at midlife as well, for all those reasons that you talked about, that bone health is so important, that exercise for bone health is so important, and that not enough patients know about, or consumers actually know that they have osteoporosis until they fracture. And that's the problem. We want to make sure that we reach people before they have the fracture so that they can prevent those fractures. And then if they do fracture or they do have osteoporosis, as you mentioned, there's great treatments available. And those treatments are actually very effective in preventing fractures. They prevent fractures and have better efficacy than even what we normally take for blood pressure and hypertension. So there is really good treatment out there. Going back to what you said about, you know, how we scared people off of treatments back in the day. And, you know, I think one of the things that we need to keep in mind about science is that it, it does evolve. It's like, right, there are truths and there are facts, but science does evolve. And you would hope that that it evolves and that we learn new things. And so back in the 80s, when osteoporosis medications actually first came on the market, because they did show great promise, there was the idea that maybe they could be used for prevention preventative purposes. And that's when they started giving some of the medications to people to try to prevent osteoporosis from developing. And as you said, it had some unexpected side effects because that's not how the treatment was meant to be. And so we've certainly learned since then. But as you said, that information doesn't keep up with the headlines. And so people still worry about the rare side effects with treatment, which have all really been worked out. So I would encourage people to definitely talk to their clinicians if they do have osteoporosis about how to prevent that. So what we try to do is encourage people in all the ways they need to learn about their bone health. From building to peak bone mass as young adults, we get the strongest, deepest, healthiest bone we're going to have by the time we're in our mid-20s. And then the rest of our lives, that bone remodels and rebuilds itself. And so maintaining our bone health throughout the lifespan is really important. 
exercise, nutrition, avoiding all those bad habits that we're told not to do for over a help, smoking, mm-hmm. drinking too much, being sedentary. These are the things that we need to avoid in order to protect our bones. So one of the things that's really important is to your point, stay on top of science all the way through. All of these things, including hypertension, which you mentioned earlier, really involve an integrative approach. It's never just like, you know, one shotgun thing. It really is a lifestyle approach as well as whatever else, you know, the system can really offer, which means you really want to have an excellent provider who can give you a chance to look at what's out there. I even include technology. If you go over to Bone Health Tech, that's bonehealthtech.com. There's actually a, a really cool group there. I'm a techie, so I'm always like snooping around and trying to figure out what's up. And they actually have a belt that delivers vibrations, and this is based upon NASA science, to be able to stimulate osteoblasts inside the bone to be able to create more bone and certainly stall any bone loss. And I think that that's very cool. I understand that the uh, belt is in the process of being reviewed by the FDA now as a medical device. So more to more to follow on that one. But if you want to be on the wait list, you can just, I, I saw a wait list there. There's a bonehealthtech.com and join up and stay on top of all of that for sure. Now, that's the bone piece. And I mentioned sort of unmet need because I think that there's so much education that needs to happen here. And people also don't hurt with bones. You know what I mean? Like it's the problem with hypertension. You don't hurt until there's a major crisis, like a stroke. It's different than if I cut myself and I see a hurt. And so with bones, we start losing bone mineral density by the age of 30 as women. And so people don't know that. And what you want to do is mitigate as much of that as possible and say, no, do that resistance training, keep up with your good nutrition and calcium intake, do your exercise. And then even though we're beginning to lose a little bit, then it'll be a little bit, not a lot. And that's what's really important here. And women who are starving themselves on crazy diets and whatever, and don't get calcium and don't get the appropriate nutrition are the first ones to have issues in a big way. And they don't realize that. And that starts in the teen years, which are really precious years. So that's the bone health kind of thing. Now let's pivot over to menopause where interestingly enough, there's kind of a similar story going on here. And that is that back in 2002, and I was at the NIH at the time when all heck broke out uh, with the Women's Health Initiative study, which had a lot of problems at that time and have over the years been rectified with better studies. But the bad reputation of what happened, which was it scared women um, when they saw that there was a relationship with heart disease, cancer, et cetera, breast cancer, that women literally stopped their hormonal replacement therapy overnight and literally were in a panic. What do I do now? And what's up with that? And that was years ago couple decades ago, and those headlines are still alive and well in many women's minds, especially if they do a little internet search and then they find out about the Women's Health Initiative when they're kind of, you know, beginning to 
feel like they've got changes and what's good to use and what's not and all the rest of it. So there's another little problem, kind of very similar to what happened with bone. So what was it that really initiated this momentum to create the National Menopause Foundation? So I as you said, I've been working in bone and women's health for so long, and it was brought to my attention that there wasn't a nonprofit, a full nonprofit advocacy organization for women at menopause. And I thought, that can't be because there's literally a nonprofit for everything, as you might know, and no matter if it's local or national. And so when I looked into it, it was true. There was medical organizations, which are terrific, doing fabulous training for clinicians, but there wasn't anything specific for women to go to for education and information. So that's what we launched. And I, like every woman who is approaching that midlife time period and knowing that menopause was on the horizon, at least I knew that much, which is about all that women know is that it's coming, but we don't know anything about it. But I I read the articles and the things that were happening in pop culture about, oh, go off quietly into your post-reproductive years. And I said to myself and my family, I've never done anything quietly in my life. Yay, you join me. (laughs) Right, I didn't intend to go quietly into my postmenopausal years. So I wanted to have a place that would provide education, provide support, and empower women to actually enjoy this time of life and to not fear it, and maybe to combat a little bit of the anti-aging that is out there in our society and sort of say, we as women have the opportunity to change that. It changes by what, what, what do you mean by the, and I quote, anti-aging thing? Well, there's the same kind of conversation we've always had where women are no longer sexy, you know, after their reproductive years, that we aren't attractive, that just because we've not been able to produce children anymore, our worth in society is, you know, put down upon. And then the aging in the workplace is a huge area where although aging in the workplace is discriminatory against everyone, it does impact women more than men. And so, again, I think there's just always been this thing in our society that men get older and wiser and women just get older. And we need to change that narrative. And I think we're the generation to be able to do that. And I hope that the National Menopause Foundation will play a part in that. I love it. And so what can a woman access from the foundation? So before we launched, we actually did a survey asking women what type of information they'd want and how they would want to get the information. So what came back was obviously a website where there could be the sort of housing of all that great information, a podcast, which we have, which is called The Positive Pause. Again, try to you know empower women and think about this in a more positive light. The Hot Flash newsletter, which is a newsletter where you can get information and be kept up to date on things that the foundation is doing. And then we also have an online support community called the Menopause Metamorphosis, where you can engage with your peers anonymously about what's happening to you as you approach this stage of life and you know what are your best kind of advice. So sort of like those anonymous girlfriends and BFFs that we can all reach out to and talk to online. And so those are some of the things that we launched with. We've since done some advocacy efforts. We have a new checklist of menopause symptoms that'll be out this week and available for download on the website. That'll be a conversation starter for women to take to their clinicians to say, hi, I am experiencing these symptoms. You know, can we talk about whether or not I might be perimenopausal or menopausal? And we've heard a lot, and I'm sure you hear this all the time too, Dr. Peek, about 
women just being dismissed when they are experiencing some symptoms that they're not familiar with. They'll either not be told it's menopause or it's potentially menopause, and they'll be tested for all kinds of things before realizing that it's they're starting that hormonal transition of menopause. Or they'll hear, it's just menopause, and there'll be no solutions offered or provided for how to deal with just menopause. It can be very debilitating for some women. Other women kind of experience very few symptoms, and that's great. But for many, many women, there are debilitating symptoms that happen to us. And just knowing that that's what is the root cause of it can be very helpful. The big boy symptoms are hot flashes, sleep impairment, which occurs primarily because the hot flashes just kind of keep flashing away all night long and the quality of life. Brain fog is another one that is just, and along with brain fog oftentimes is a real dive in energy. It's almost like you need a front end loader to get you out of bed in the morning and you're thinking, wait a minute, you know, I'm normally the energizer bunny and what's going on with that? So that's interesting. So let's be clear about a a couple definitions. So perimenopause tends to be the confusing time because, you know, once you've stopped having menstrual cycles for 12 months, it's like, duh, you're in menopause. So there's not really a big discussion there. It's like, welcome. But prior to that period of time, which can start actually as early as the late 30s, but oftentimes really starts kicking in no later than 45. So it'll be like the early 40s, you're kind of dusting it along and all the rest of it. So what is actually happening? A woman's body needs to be able to go through a gradual wean off the big hormones. And that's primarily estrogen and then progesterone kind of tails along. Now, this can't happen overnight, but it does if you are a woman who has to lose her ovaries for whatever reason, whether it's ovarian cancer or, you know, you had to have a surgery where they're now taken out. Now you have no sex hormones literally overnight. If you have chemotherapy for breast cancer, gynecologic cancer, and it's not just chemo, it's it's basically cancer treatment because it could be all kinds of things. Then overnight, unless you're already in menopause, overnight you will be thrown into menopause. And this is devastating to a woman because a woman typically needs a good 10 years to wean off the estrogen that's been powering her through her teenage years and all the rest of the decades up until this occurs. Now, what's interesting is that the latest research shows that one of the harbingers of perimenopause, you actually begin to feel this in the early 40s, is a very creeping anxiety you feel much more anxious. And so this is when women feel as though they're going out of their minds. They're like, I've never been like this before. Why am I suddenly screaming at people? Why out of the blue am I getting this really crazy feeling that I'm crawling out of my skin? And what's going on? Really nice research from the University of North Carolina. They have a big perimenopause study group there has shown that anxiety is a real hallmark of what happens in perimenopause. 
And this is a piece of what goes on as estrogen begins its course downward in terms of total levels. And so that's interesting. And at the same time, weird sleep. And sometimes you begin to experience uh, temperature dysregulation, which is the hot flashes, which can occur at ridiculously unpredictable and terrible times, like right in the middle of a board meeting as you're giving a presentation. This tends to amp up in terms of frequency as you get closer to 50. And then menopause in the United States typically takes place on average around age 52-ish. So it's a plus minus situation, bell-shaped curve, the way everything is in life. And then off you go, and it takes about another five years plus to be able to normalize now, now that there is no more menstrual cycle. And then your body settles into a brand new normal. And that new normal is everything from energy level, you know, to cognition and all the rest of it. So that's kind of cool. Now, I've been looking on your blog posts and um, your podcasts. You have fabulous guests, and the blogs are absolutely wonderful, and they're just chock full of information that I know that women will love to be able to read out there. And so I think it's important that everyone out there in the Her Podcast land knows that there is a resource here you probably never knew about, and that's the National Menopause Foundation. And if you go to that website, you can go ahead and sign up for the newsletter and all the rest and keep reading and listening to podcasts and all the rest of it so that you can stay up to date and most informed. And so I think that's important. The other piece is therapy and treatment. So there's a new thought now, and that is whereas a lot of women are kind of still freaked out about the hormonal replacement therapy issue. What's happening now is that there's more of a customized hormonal replacement therapy, which is now called menopausal hormonal therapy. It's not replacement. It's menopause hormonal therapy, MHT, instead of HRT for hormonal replacement therapy. And this is a lower dose to make both providers and patients feel better. And it's you know, what's happening now is something I really like, and that is women are working with their providers to customize something that's individualized for them. They'll try something for X period of time, see how it goes. They'll get monitored. You'll come back and you'll ask questions. What I see also is that more and more providers, there's still not enough by any means, but more and more providers are becoming menopause certified providers, meaning that they took the certification course of the North American Menopause Society, and now they're at the top of their game for being able to educate a patient and also educate themselves about what's the latest and the greatest. So do you see this as a positive trend too? Absolutely. And I've, I've seen more and more clinicians who in the OBGY leaving obstetrics and focusing on gynecology, 
because there is such a great need and because we have an aging population. You know, 1.3 million women enter menopause each year, and we don't have 1.3 million clinicians ready to treat those women. So I think it's really important that we continue to support clinical education. And as you said, the North American Menopause Society is the top at that. And you can also go to their website, which is just menopause.org, and look for a menopause certified provider in your area. They have a database. So we always encourage women to check that out if you're not getting you know, some of the information and care that you need. And I appreciate you again, you know, sharing the information about the National Menopause Foundation and it's just nationalmenopausefoundation.org because it is knowledge is power. The more we know about what's happening to our bodies and what is potentially related to this very natural stage of life, then when we're better able to manage the symptoms that come along with it. And I think that's what all women said. And as you said, that customizable decision, shared decision-making with our healthcare providers is the way of the future. It's no longer just, hey, take this, do this. It's tell me more. You know, what kind of information can I get myself that helps me be informed? And that helps you ask better questions that are really tailored to what you're experiencing and what you need as a woman at this stage of life. Well, just like when we were talking about bone health, I think really dealing with the whole issue of menopause also involves an integrative approach. It's always an integrative approach. So of course you want to be able to stop. I love saying hit the pause button. And I kind of like that actually. So we're going to hit the pause button for a minute and say, hmm, all right. So if I'm looking at skincare, do you think you want to use the same skin products as you used when you were 16? Heck no. So why is that true? Why wouldn't you use the same thing all year? Well, the reason why is you change, girlfriend. And I happen to know, if you look at the dermatology literature, that there's a real change that begins as late as the late 30s in the skin that's prepping it for what's going to happen as you get older and you course through perimenopause, menopause. So you need to be able to find products that really speak to menopause. So a lot of companies now are are doing this. I, I just saw the other day L'Oreal has a new line under their Vichy, V-I-C-H-Y brand, which is perimenopause, menopause serum and moisturizer. I, I almost fell off my chair. I'm like, what? They actually see that there's something here, that there's a there's something really important for people to understand and that you changed. Your collagen level has changed. The inflammatory response in your skin has changed, all the rest of that. So I think that that is incredibly important to know. You're changing. So you need to hit the pause button and reassess where you are. I look at the 40s as a time to regroup. It's like, okay, the body is on the move. And you're going to have to, you know, swing with it here, adapt and adjust. And in doing so, ask questions. What do I need now? What's changing? How should I optimize my self-care further? How do I do any of this? Ask questions, seek resources, and be very careful of misinformation out there. So ask a lot of questions of people who really know what they're doing, like a dermatologist, for instance, which is important because a lot of dermatologists now are, are thinking this through much more carefully. So 
that's important. So an integrative approach, nutrition, exercise, oh, so important. You know, I'm a crazy person about that. And, you know, really finding a provider that works. And I'm going to give you full permission, permission granted, to dump your provider if they're not responsive to you and run on over and find where there is a menopause certified provider who will take the time to listen and to customize. What do you think of that, Claire? I think you're absolutely right. It's really important that we do pause and take stock of what's happening in our health. And menopause is a great time to do that because so many other changes come along. And finding that provider is really important. I want to be cognizant of the fact that, you know, we tend to live outside of big city where I'm based outside of Washington, D.C. And so switching to another provider is pretty easy. There's more choices available. But if you're in a community where there isn't an opportunity or a lot more providers to be able to choose from, telehealth has become that's right prevalent and that now clinicians are allowed to be able to advise and treat across state lines. So that's always an option. And I think that's a very good development and maybe the only silver lining that came out of the COVID period where we had to be able to see our providers virtually. Now that's a mainstay. And so I would encourage women, as you said, if you're not getting answers from your healthcare provider, do look at the other options, whether in your community or via telehealth, so you can get those answers to your questions. I think that that's so terribly important. I'm so glad you brought up the telehealth as well. You know, it technology rules. Speaking of which, I mentioned one technology with bone health. I have to match it here with menopause, and I'm highly associated with this one. And I was very happy to pal up with the MIT team of material science engineers with a group called Ember Labs. That's EMBR Labs, and they created a wearable device for people who need help with hot flashes and sleep impairment, as well as stress. And it's called the Ember Wave, just W-A-V-E, and that stands for the Thermal Waveforms. And it's the coolest device, literally, or, you know, if you're having a hot flash or quite frankly, you just need, you know, better sleep, you can either cool or warm yourself. There's, there are choices and you can customize the length of the cooling or warming by the app and really make this your own experience. And the Ember Wave is a, just like that bone health tech belt is a, the Ember Wave is a one of its kind in the world, and there's nothing else like it. And it is now the industry leader. So run on over to emberlabs.com, E-M-B-R-L-A-B-S.com to be able to check that out. Because you know something? Yeah, when it comes to things like this, you know, there may be, come a time when you use menopausal hormonal therapy, and then you go, mm, I, I don't want any more. I just want to go more natural, or you may start natural and then say, mm, you know, I'm, a, you know, what I'm saying is what women love to hear. Here's the word options. You now have options, both pharmaceutical and otherwise, to be able to help yourself. And with the Ember Wave, you don't have any side effects because it's not a medication. But you have to sit down with your provider and really have a conversation about what's best for you on the overall and really see how you can navigate the years of perimenopause, menopause, and beyond. Because if things kind of go, you know, well for you, 
you're going to be around for a while. You know, you got a, a bunch of decades coming on up here. So knock on wood that you have a high quality life which you will if you make sure to really amp up the self-care. You know, a lot of women let themselves go, and by the time they hit 50, they're like, what happened? And, and then you say, my gosh, if I'm going to be around until like 90, 100, I got to enjoy this ride. And it's, a once again, a wake-up call to taking better care of yourself, that's what this is. It's a wake-up call. It is, but it's also a great opportunity, right? We have this, as you said, we're living longer. Active aging has become, you know, the norm now that we talk about and what everybody looks for in their senior years. So it is a great time to sort of say, what are those options? How can I improve and maximize my health, both physically and mentally and spiritually. I think it's a real awakening time for women and men at this stage of life. So it's a great opportunity to see what's out there and explore all of the wonderful possibilities. And if you weren't optimizing your health beforehand, which I would say I definitely fall in that category. And I joke with people that I was going to be smoking hot in my 50s and then realize that menopause makes being smoking hot really hard to do. Um, but you know what that is changes for you, right? I want to be a healthy, active woman who can enjoy all the things I want to enjoy as I age. And I think that's an easy goal to have. And, it, and it's, like you said, very individualized. So it's wonderful, though, as you said, the technology is sort of coming through with all of these new innovations that kind of help us along. And so it really is an exciting time. Well, there's a role for all of this. And, you know, I think the whole issue of the smoking hot, I mean, that's cool. But at the end of the day, I think you need to have a mind, body and spirit, right, that can now handle the next number of decades because things start getting real interesting, you know, post-menopause, uh, especially after the age of 60. And you want to be able to have the physical, mental, and spiritual strength and wherewithal to be able to really make those years work for you. I'm all about quality of life. And so that's something we love to call health span. What is the health span? of a human being. And that means the years of vibrant life where you can kick ass, you know, keep doing so much in your life. Now, obviously you're not 20 anymore. I'm simply saying, if you want to, you know, play pickleball and, and crush your enemy on the other side, <laughs> well, there you can still do that. It's all relative to your age, but you're able to remain vertical and strong and you can do all that, but that takes work. And what doesn't that's worthwhile in life? It takes work. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is a little call out to everyone. It's a call to arms and legs that you have to be able to take good care of yourself, get that exercise in and all the rest of it. So, gosh, this is just so fabulous. I mean, you're just chock full of resources. So let's go through the websites where people can, you know, learn more about all of this. Sure. So again, for the bone health and osteoporosis information, it is bonehealthandosteoporosis.org. Anything you need to know about building strong bones, maintaining strong bones, or what to do if unfortunately you do experience a fracture or need assistance with osteoporosis, that's where you can get that information. And the National Menopause Foundation is nationalmenopausefoundation.org. 
and really look forward to continuing these conversations with people through these organizations. And please feel free to reach out with any questions. Both have contact information that you can reach out and ask additional questions. Oh, that's wonderful. Okay, everyone out there in the Herb Podcast land, you heard it from Claire Gill, and she is a double CEO here, apparently, and you have now more resources to be able to scope, to be able to learn more, because this is important information, and what I love to do at the Herb Podcast is to be able to share that with you so that this can enhance your quality of life. Claire, I can't thank you enough for being on the Herb Podcast. Do you mind if I ask you to be on again and again and again? You're so articulate and you're so full of information. So maybe we'll schedule another one in the future with more updates in both fields. What do you say? Great, That would be great. I welcome it anytime. Thank you so much, Dr. Peek. Awesome. Okay. Now, everyone out there, what I'd like to do is make sure that you know, this is another reminder, run on over to iTunes and rate and review this episode. I want to hear your thoughts about all the wonderful information we just shared. And here's another shout out to Solaray Vitamins, our terrific sponsor. That's S-O-L-A-R-A-Y Vitamins. And boy, do they have what you need as a woman, especially the multivites. So run on over to solarayvitamins.com to learn more. Oh, what an excellent episode. I'm just like stoked up after talking about some of my favorite topics here. Well, anyway, so I'm Dr. Pam Peak. I'm host of the Her Podcast. Please follow me on Facebook at Dr. Pam Peak or Twitter and Instagram at Pam Peak MD. And remember to catch every single episode of the Her Podcast on Radio MD, iTunes, Spotify, all kinds of great platforms. Just get on over to it right away and stay up with all of our episodes. Ah, So thanks for listening, everyone. Stay safe and stay well.